everyone, and welcome to Wildstorm Addiction. This is episode 22. We're going to be talking about comics from the weeks of December 22nd and the 29th. I'm Joe David Solis. And I'm Ben Murphy. As I'm sure all of you know, you know the, by the time you will be listening to this podcast, the Wildstorm imprint will be no more. And soon, neither will we, because this is our final episode. And we're going to be covering just the last couple of issues that came out under Wildstorm at the end of December. Really, there is no news, obviously, anymore. Um, like, we've already talked about some of our uh, Wildstorm alumni, so I'll just mention real quick some of those titles to look for in the new year. I know Tim Seeley's already doing the Ant-Man miniseries, and I saw it on the shelves not too long ago. Adam Beechin has got the Batman Beyond, which uh, Ben doesn't know that it's coming out. He hasn't seen any previews about that. Never. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and, of course, uh, Rebecca Isaacs may just... You know, which just came out and uh, actually sold out at my local comic shop, so that's a good sign. Awesome. But uh, the one bit I did wanted to leave everybody with, uh, you know, several people came on Wildstorm's blog, The Bleed, and, you know, posted basically farewell messages, you know, Hank Canals and Ben Abernathy, and they all had, you know, good things to say, but uh, I'll I'll let you guys go and read those. But I did want to take an excerpt from what Jim Lee had to say that hopefully would give everybody a little shred of hope, you know. Uh, He basically was just thanking everybody as, you know, everybody else did. And then he says, uh, in fact, Dan DiDio, Jeff Johns, and myself have crafted, you know, what their fate will be. And we are excited to be sharing that with readers in the coming year. And obviously he's referring to the Wildstorm universe. So, So, uh, you know, the way they made it sound was that they were going to shelve these characters for a while, and uh, if he's saying that, you know, he's going to share that with us in, in this year, in 2011, well, I mean, that's a fast forward compared to the way he made it seem earlier. So I know I welcome it, and I know some people out there do. I know a lot of people, you know, that was the last straw for them was Wildstorm closing. But, hey, you know, if we can see the characters back in some form, I'm all for it. So let's go ahead and move on to our first review, unless unless you have anything to comment on that on that comment by Jim Lee. No, I suppose we could talk about it later this evening with beers in our bellies. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that we can do. All right, first up, we have X-Files 30 Days of Night, number six of six, written by Steve Niles and Adam Jones, with art by Tom Mandrake and cover by Andrea Sorrentino. Um, we start off this issue with... Uh, Scully in that building. I don't know what building she's in. I'm going to be very brief, by the way, because we only have two, and I'd rather get our guests on here anyway. So, What guests are you talking about, Ben? Oh, just <laughs> hold on. Don't want to ruin the surprise. Besides, we don't actually know who's going to hop on. So, Exactly. <laughs> may, may as well wait. <laughs> it could just be you and me. It could just be us, yes. We could pretend to be other people. but uh... That's true. So quickly, Scully is attacked by one of the vampires, the vampire that has the hole through his head that uh, Mulder had uh, shot, I think, three issues back in the helicopter. Anyways, there's a a scuffle for a gun, and it's not a normal gun. There was a normal gun and a different-looking gun, and I guess she grabbed the taser-looking gun and fried that vampire. It was pretty cool. His eyeball popped out and is on the floor. Pretty sweet. So Scully made it out of there alive. And next we flip over to Mulder and one of the Russian agents. And they find another agent who is underneath 
uh, desk cowering in fear and he flips out and says they were everywhere they were everywhere I shot him six times and you know they, he just laughed at me so we don't know who he's talking about but one of the vampires obviously and he kind of discusses what happens and there's like a montage page and a lot of death and violence and awesomeness ensues uh, he's pretty this agent that they found Santoro he's pretty tore up about it and he's obviously a little off kilter and they walk out from the building that they found him in and they see like a pile of bodies and they find Scully's uh, FBI badge in there and Santoro's like or Dimitri I guess I don't know one of the dudes says I'm sorry she's gone and Santoro flips out she's dead they're all dead blah 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 yeah he's uh he's spazzing out I think he lost it um, so they, haul, they all hop back into their uh, snow tractor. They're discussing things, and all of a sudden they run across a uh, body laying in the middle of the road. And it's the crazy vampire beast that was born as a bloody baby. And <laughs> they find him in the middle of the road. He gets up. Centaur is like, this ends now. And he hops out of the vehicle and starts blowing it away with lead. And, you know, it kind of just laughs at him and rips him in half, literally which is pretty awesome. And then the vampire thing knocks over the tractor, the snowmobile. One of the, I don't know if it's Santoro or the other guy. I don't know. But uh, he has a grenade in his hand, and he pulls it and blows up the crazy vampire beast. And <laughs> Mulder must have made it out of there because the vampire head is dismembered, and he picks up the head, and it's still saying stuff in crazy vampire language and Walter just tosses it into the fire from the, the the tractor that had blown up the snowmobile that had blown up which was pretty awesome and then Mulder I guess I guess the uh, Russian Dimitri is still alive and he says I'm gonna go get you help and he goes into a local uh, I guess it's a greenhouse that is nearby and he goes for the phone to try to call and lo and behold Frenchie as a vampire comes back and He's really excited to talk to Mulder, so much so, because he's a bad guy, he has to have his epic monologue, as all good comics should. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right. So they get to talking, and they work things out, and they kiss and hug. Oh, wait, no, that doesn't happen. As he's talking, obviously he's distracted, and Scully makes her way in, and she finds that in the greenhouse, there's a UV sunspot switch. So she turns that on, and Frenchie is now a crispy critter. It was a quick way to dispel him, and very appropriate, because he was a son of a bee. So Mulder and Scully have their little reunion, and they're really excited because they didn't think each other was alive. And then on the outside of that greenhouse, they see lots of vampires, and they all want to eat them. And then they decide to walk out of the greenhouse. They see creepy little vampire girl, I guess, and she waves to them. And she goes off with their people, and they leave Mulder and Scully alone. And then we flip over to the epilogue. Mulder is looking out over the overlook where that uh, big boat was, I think, in issue two. It has somehow made it through the ice. Uh, I guess that wasn't Mulder. That was Dimitri, wasn't it? Yeah. Dimitri and his comrade decides that they're going back to Russia because this place sucks. So that's the epilogue. And then we flip over to the FBI headquarters and Mulder and Scully have made it back to Washington. They are basically being screwed and getting pulled off the case, of course. Their director, you know, tells them how it is. There's nothing they can do about it, but they're needed. 
in Texas because there was a guy in a diner that decided to melt while sitting at a counter. Maybe that'll be their next task. Who knows? Yeah, I was wondering if that was like a reference to an episode or something since I don't know all that. I'd be curious to find out. Yeah, I'm not really sure either. And then I feel like this is our third or fourth epilogue because then we flip to a underground military detainment center in Nevada. Uh, exact whereabouts unknown. Nevada. Close enough. So we get this quick scene that typically is at the beginning of the movie, uh, but this is at the end of our miniseries. An agent is going to interrogate a detainee at this facility you can see that the interrogator is in a wheelchair and he is either really old or has some scarring but an agent drops off a top secret military uh, brief onto him and the only person talking in the scene is the guy behind bars and obviously you can tell it's one of the vampires I can't really tell which one though not that you ever learn the names of any of them that could be the next miniseries prelude. Who knows? Yeah. There, there's so many epilogues here. We don't know where it's going to go next, but obviously they're writing more. And then we get to the fourth epilogue, I think, and we go to <laughs> we go to the Pacific Ocean, which is the ship that made its way out of the ice pack. All the vampires that were in that ship's hold that you know, Mulder and Scully had dropped into at one point are all standing around... Uh, a barrel with a map on top of the barrel and they're pointing to somewhere on the map I couldn't tell you where but it looks like somewhere in Alaska and that we shall have finally to this miniseries here they're saying <laughs> yeah, basically but finally that is the end it took five epilogues but hey we made it are you <laughs> sure I think there's one more think oh wait be, okay yeah and then beyond is involved yeah there's another prison scene and <laughs> No, I'm not going to go there again. <laughs> Too late, I guess. <laughs> so that was The X-Files, 30 Days of Night miniseries. I thought it was pretty cool, actually, you know, when we first got to uh, interview Steve Niles. When was that? Way back in May, I believe, or early June. Yeah, I didn't really know what to expect out of this, but it was a really fun ride. As far as creator-owned titles that we got to review over the last year i wouldn't put it at the top i think eyes of blood right now even though we haven't finished that is definitely my favorite out of all of them but you know x files probably came in second to that and you know it was a it was a fun ride and me you know not i mean i guess i grew up with the x files but i didn't follow it regularly but i really enjoyed it you know i know those characters i don't don't know them intimately like most of the fans do but it was fun to to read through it. I definitely enjoyed it. So I gave this issue a six. Um, I think the series as a whole, I gave a seven. There were, there were definite high points to the series. I think that third issue, I believe it was the third issue, third or fourth when we finally got to see the uh, vampire monster baby be born. That was fantastic. And that was right around Halloween and it couldn't have been timed better. Uh, what did you think of it, Joe? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, uh, it's definitely one of the, the, the best that we reviewed this year. Um, yeah, no, I still agree, though. Eyes of Blood is still on top. I mean, regardless of what the last issue does, in Eyes of Blood is still on top. But, but now this one was really good. I mean, the only thing that happened here in the last issue was kind of what I was afraid of. 
that they had set up so much stuff that they had to hurry up and wrap it all up. And then what even added insult to injury with that was all the epilogues you're talking about. I mean, I know that we had asked uh, Steve Niles if there was going to be a sequel or a potential for a sequel, and he said, yeah, there was. But, man, did he give us potential for sequels, plural, <laughs> you know, because every epilogue that there was could potentially be a story on its own. So, yeah, no, I enjoyed this. I mean, this is obviously, like we've already talked about many times, you get to a point in the comic, especially when it's a miniseries where you know that it's ending and this is the big finale, so there's lots of action, you know, um, a lot of things that had to be uh, reviewed quickly. I mean, you know, like how Scully gets out of the situation with the vampire who caught up with her and then, you know, what happened to the Russians and the rest of their team. Yeah, so that way, you know, the final confrontation with the vampire baby thing ended a little bit too quickly, in my opinion. But, I mean, at the same time, the way they did do away with him was probably probably one of the better ways they could have because, you know, the thing already showed it was really powerful. It could take out its own kind and things like that. So, And that's why the whole sub-story with French, you know, I could have I done without it in favor of seeing more of the vampire baby thing. So that that was the one thing, too, is that uh, I, I kind of almost wish that wasn't there because, I mean, you kind of knew that that's where it was going, especially as soon as he got bit and became a vampire. You kind of knew that he was just going to meet his end. So other than that, I mean, I love the end, too. Yeah, there was several times in this miniseries when, when Niles and Jones would set up a situation where it's like, well, you know Mulder and Scully are going to survive, but you just don't know how. You know, the whole greenhouse thing was like, uh, yeah, this is not good, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I assume either that the 30 days of night was already over. Maybe that's why they were leaving. Or maybe there's some something bigger going on here. You know, I guess we're supposed to purposely be left wondering. That's why I guess it shows, you know, the ship left. Yeah, all this stuff with the with the vampire or whatever that they're interrogating in the jail. I mean, yeah, that's all it is. is just set up for the next one. And then even when they show the vampires out at sea, it's just more set up. So... That was my only thing. I ended up giving it a 7 because I still enjoyed it, but I, w- I just wish that uh, he would have backed off on the epilogues a little bit, you know. Kind of reminded me of uh, Return of the King <laughs> when everybody kept making fun of that, how that has like 10 different endings, you know. <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, overall, it is a really good miniseries. Like I think I mentioned before, I'm going to pass this on to a friend of mine who is a big X-Files fan, and now that I've got all the issues, I'm going to send it to him and I'm sure he'll enjoy it, and it just depends on where we are and what we're doing at the time. I don't know if I'll pick up the sequel or not. I mean, like I said, I'm, I've always been just a casual fan, So, but if you are a fan of either series, I mean, this this was definitely awesome for both both groups of fans to kind of have a, something in common, so... Definitely a good comic all around, and one of the one of the best we've had this year. So for sure, you actually made me think of a couple things. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess that makes sense that maybe it was the end of the thirty days, but there's no way that this miniseries lasted that entire thirty days. The way that it read, it felt that Mulder and Scully was only there for a week at most. So maybe it was the end of that thirty days that they were there. I don't know. The other thing, yes, I knew Frenchie was going to make it back, and that was. A, I guess, part of the story. But what frustrated me and why I probably rated it so low was there was such a big buildup about the vampire monster and that being part of the lore. And I thought that that was such a big deal for the 30 Days of Night side. But they didn't 
really expound on it and that character died off so quickly i was like really i thought that that could have been part of the next miniseries and yeah it just fizzled so quickly and i think that's why i got frustrated a little bit too much by this last issue but i I mean i still enjoyed the series as a whole no doubt Uh, i agree but yeah it's definitely a good series to pick up and it sold really well so it's going to be traded so yep It'll sell really, really well in trades. Just watch. <laughs> so will Sparta USA. Oh wait. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna let that go. It's the last episode. I was gonna say. That's you're, <laughs> you're gonna edit that out, right? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on to the one that uh, everybody has been waiting for. Wildcats number thirty, written by Adam Beechin, with art by Mike S. Miller, cover by Jeremy Raypack and Richard Friend. Well, here we are, boys and girls, the end of the end. As some of you who've uh, read my written review on the website already know that um, I'll just start off by saying I really enjoyed this final issue. I think that uh, Adam Beechin just did such a great love letter to to the fans, knowing what he knew, you know, and and trying to hurry up and end, end, you know, his run when finding out about the closing so late in the game. I think inadvertently he'd already set up so many things that were going on in in the story anyway that that it worked out well as a you know kind of last story kind of everybody's here this is one you know epic thing and you know what to say here the earth you know what better thing to have at stake in your final story than the the one thing that the that heroes are always trying to protect we start off with the um you know, basically everything's going wrong. The Earth's about to tear itself apart. You know, uh, some they even go as far as to mention the unknown threat that Jeremiah Kane was talking about that was still coming from somewhere out in space. And, uh, you know, Jackson King is trying to communicate with Gaia but has been lost in her mind. And meanwhile, all of Gaia and her minions are still wreaking havoc. I love the line that he starts off with, with the you know, talking about this is the past doctors of Earth, spirits of history's global shamans returning to the planet by voodoo sacrifice in hopes they may cure Gaia. And then uh, Thorndike is like, hmm, I'm not sure what we can do. <laughs> it's like, that is so his character. <laughs> so cynical, you know, and uh, so that was great. Just love that, uh, you know, so much has come together that all the doctors have gathered to to try to defeat Gaia and you know, they do their best with their powers to try to do it, and it just ain't happening. And so they decide to call in reinforcements, and basically they uh, teleport. It seems like every hero, including, you know, Link and um, Grunge, who are up on Skywatch, and bring them uh, bring them to the battle, because uh, apparently they're going to all share, you know, part of their power uh, combined with the Doctor's power to try to get through. And in the meantime, Thorndag goes into Gaia's mind and finds Jackson, who's trapped in there, and tries to help him basically cure her because she's guilty because she feels... I mean, she was used by Jeremiah Kane, and then she feels guilty for all the people that uh, that he made her kill. And uh, at the same time, uh, we get the return of all the heroes from the carrier. So um, so finally all the heroes are, are back on Earth, and... Um, and they've brought the new doctor along, which is Swift. And she's all nice and new and shiny in her uh, new doctor outfit. And so she takes it upon herself to go into Gaia's mind as well and um, help out Jackson and uh, and Thorndike. And it's just a, it's a really cool scene where, I mean, 
where she goes in there and she basically, you know, tells Gaia that it's okay, that it's not her fault, and they basically just comfort her, comforts her like a mother, you know, and um, since, you know, Gaia is a little girl, and ultimately she hands over uh, responsibility of Gaia to, uh, to Thorndike and the other doctors, and uh, they walk off uh, into the newly restored uh, Garden of Ancestral Memory. And I, that was one of my favorite moments in there. It was just so, so cool to see see all that and see all the doctors in there, and, this, and obviously the garden is restored, and you know, just to show that uh, that they're they're thriving and and they're going to take care of Gaia now, and so that big threat is over, and back in the real world, you know, all her minions uh, basically disintegrate, and a lot of the heroes are reunited with loved ones, you know, Spartan and. Voodoo are reunited, and Jackson and Christine Trelane are reunited, and so there's some really great scenes which I put up at the website, you know, of of, uh, of Jackson and Christine and Spartan and Voodoo, and uh, it was just great that everybody got a little moment to themselves, and then ultimately the solution to the problem is something just a little bit different than most people had uh, had guessed about, which basically I think uh, Adam did a great job of bringing past stories and worlds in all together you know engineer goes up to fuji and basically tells him you know i gave you something once upon a time and i'd like it back now and of course she's talking about the nanites that uh, she put inside of him to save him after the eidolon had had uh, injured him instruction to let the the nanites fall into the core of the earth and i love all the little allusions back to just to just wildstorm's history in general you know where she says basically it's going to be reinforcing the mantle you know to make it stronger than it was before armageddon you know stronger than it's ever been and then you know she calls it a final world that's a great throwback to warren ellis and and his run with the authority so just so many little some of the little things like that little nods that adam did i mean uh kind of glazed over some of the reunions but there was some ones back there that I loved. I put some more pictures of that up, of a uh, Spartan and Grifter, and Warblade, you know, reuniting, and and one great one I think of Grunge holding up both Roxy and uh, Rainmaker, and as they, uh, you know, were prepping for the battle, the last battle with Gaia. But but just so many little things that Adam put in here that were great, and then the final epilogue, which this issue only has one epilogue. <laughs> Where we have grunge basically thinking about everything that's happened and you know what they've all been through and, and kind of reviewing what they're doing to help the earth and apparently they're back in contact with uh, with burnout and uh, Yusum Fairchild as well and I love in his room that they took a bunch of old Wildstorm covers and made it as posters that he has pinned up and uh, so that was that was more great little nod and then we start the series of uh, panels that are showing us what our heroes are doing now and. You know, Adam's writing here is just perfect. I mean, just little, little tidbits that he puts. You know, as as he makes references to the fact that Christine and Jackson have have uh, reconciled, and that uh, Lady Tron and her and her uh, robot group are thriving, and that uh, yeah, he even has a moment where Spartan proposes to Voodoo, and you know, you see Grifter in the background clapping, and Link and Freefall. And you see uh, Jack Hawksmore helping rebuild some of the cities and Warblade helping with some of the survivors and um, and Tumbleweed and um, Swift, you know, trying to heal some of the vegetation across the land. And you see a, a great shot. I love this one. It's so classic. Uh, Midnighter and Apollo just taking out some thugs. 
it's funny that thugs would you know still try to organize like that but it's just it's just a, such a got a classic feel to it of them you know taking out the bad guys and then uh a nice little nod to to clark's bar as a hell strike you know takes it takes the old sign and you know obviously showing that they intend to rebuild it and then it shows uh, Sheba and uh, and Savant at the grave of some of their lost ones, and there's some great little nods on the gravestones behind it, like uh, you know I love William D. Storm, and it has the the years that Wildstorm existed, and then we also end with uh, showing Zella that she's still continuing to train her Coda warriors, and and he even uh, talks about the the storylines that. Uh, that we weren't going to be able to wrap up, but I love the way he presents it, that there's still, you know, mysteries to solve and prophecies of menaces from beyond to prepare for and quest to complete. And it shows, you know, Team 7 and, and Maul, you know, who we all thought was lost, and the leader of the War Guard, and even Majestic and Nemesis, and then just Grungeons with a nice little nice little epilogue chat about how, you know, this is our universe and it goes on forever. And is it just me, Ben, or does, uh, does he, uh, did Mike Miller make him look a lot like Jim Lee in this last panel? <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. I mean, <laughs> I, I think he sat Jim Lee down across from him and was like, just chill out for a couple minutes and I'll, uh, I'll get Oh, it's ridiculous. He looks exactly like him, even when he's IMing with Roxy a couple pages prior. I mean... Yeah, he put on a clinic. That is Jim Lee right there. <laughs> really creepy and awesome at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and we got the old Wild Wildcats logo down at the bottom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was great. See, like I said, just all these little great little nods. And guess what, Ben? No Batman Beyond <laughs> preview. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. But I think they did have the Wildstorm. Oh, yeah, the thank you for the fans. They did have that one. But, no, I liked it. I really did. I was really happy with it. I mean, all things considered, I think he did an awesome job. So I was really happy with how it ended. What did you think? I did too. Um, considering he got very little to no notice right before this issue, he had a ton of loose ends open. I mean, he was planning for many years to come probably. And the way that he was able to weave them back together best as possible. I mean, fantastic job doing that. You know, we couldn't have asked for anything more from him over the last year. I mean, he truly dove into the material. He he took the fans' ideas and, and love of all the characters to heart. And he did his due diligence. And for that, you know, all, all due respect to Adam Beechin. I mean, fantastic. And I loved... Mike Miller's run when he did the authority for a couple issues, so I was pretty stoked uh, to see the final issue drawn by him. Not that I didn't like all of Tim Seeley's artwork, because I did, but yeah, Mike knocked it out of the park. There's some awesome, awesome shots that he did in there, and every single panel was fantastic. So it was it was great, great read. I think I ended up giving this one a seven. Like I said, it's not a bad review. It's just so tough to see and believe that this is actually the final issue in print. I truly don't believe that it is, but it is. It sucks. You know, I invested my entire youth on this, and I can't believe that it's ended. Yeah, but that's <sighs> why. That's why I brought. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why I brought you know Jim Lee's comment in there, and uh, you know, so I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to know if he fast forwarded the the plans. When he saw all the backlash on the internet, you know, it's yeah. like, wow, people really do love us. They just wanted us to do something different, you know. So, 
Yeah. We'll see. Hopefully people will give it a chance. Hopefully they won't be too too angry. I mean, I know there's some who swore off of Wildstorm forever from the boards, but oh well, you know. Uh, we're still here, so and there'll be new people coming. Trust me. Just slap a DC logo on it, they'll come. <laughs> so. Yeah, I know. And I can rant and rave for this for a while, but I'll save that until the drinks come. <laughs> <laughs> the print and digital Wildstorm releases for the weeks of 1222 and 1229 are Ratchet & Clank, number 4 of 6, The Talara Chronicles, number 4 of 4, World of Warcraft, Curse of the Origin, number 2 of 5, End of Days, number 3 of 4, Gears of War, number 15, and Red Eyes Only, and that was a special. The releases on Comixology were Ex Machina, number 23 and 24, Mysteriously Unfathomable, number 5 and 6, Planetary, number 22 and 23. Sleeper, Season 2, number 3 and 4. The Authority, Volume 1, number 11 and 12. The Talara Chronicles, number 3. World of Warcraft, number 6 and 7. World of Warcraft, Curse of the Origin, number 2. And we missed a bunch of issues during our episode number 21, so I'll just go through them really quick. The Authority, Volume 1, number 10. The Authority vs. Lobo, Jingle Hell, Chuck number 6, Ex Machina number 21 and 22, Mysterious the Unfathomable number 4, man I can't say that word, Planetary number 21, and you haven't even started drinking yet, <laughs> I know, <laughs> Sleeper Season 2 number 2, Welcome to Tranquility number 12, so that finishes Volume 1, and World of Warcraft number 5, wow that was quite a list, yeah. Wow, Planetary is almost done. They just need three more issues to post. I know. So you're going to be able to read the whole thing online soon. In fact, that seems like that's what they're doing. They're just going to have pretty much all the, at least the DC-created, you know, Wildstorm stuff online for now. Mm-hmm. So should we still tell them how to contact us, even though we're not sure how much longer we can be contacted? <laughs> you may as well. Well, they'll always be able to contact us, but... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> You know, we get such loads and loads of email every week, yeah. you know, begging for us to continue with retro reviews and such. <laughs> hey, in all fairness, we did get at least one for that particular one. Actually, we've gotten a couple of comments. Let's just say that. We've got we got several people asking for that, so that one's fair to say. <laughs> no, I think we'll just uh, we'll bow out for now, and then uh, if they come back, then Ben and I will see if life allows us to come back and do this because I know it is time consuming to put these together for Ben so well well, you know what it's time consuming for both of us and over the last year you know when Joe and I started this we did have the time to put into it and you know this past fall I think both of us have had you know a little bit of career changes to the better for both of us I believe and it, it has taken more of our you know spare time so the ending of Wildstorm kind of lined up with that, I think, with our lives changing and, you know, DC's decision obviously changing. Yeah, so it kind of worked out like that. So we'll see where we are when when uh, the characters come back and how they come back. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would love to review, even if they're digital comics. It'd be a blast. I mean, I've had so much fun doing this. I threw it out as an idea to Joe, you know, just for fun. Actually, I threw it out to a bunch of people. I didn't really know who would want to do it, and it just happened to work out. So I enjoyed the run. It was it was great. Thank you so much, Joe, for yeah. everything. Well, thank you, too. I mean, obviously, 
you know, I, I made such a big deal about uh, uh, Stuart C. Paul never meeting never meeting Christian Duce, but uh, I've never met you, and you never met me, so <laughs> we're <laughs> kind true. of the same boat. <laughs> so. But uh, no, it's been a lot of fun, and I, you know, really all we really appreciate all of you guys who have been listening, and you know, hopefully, like I said, if uh, if everything works out and we can come back, we certainly will, you know, and maybe, you know, maybe we'll attract a new generation of of fans to these characters because I really think they deserve it. You know, it really is a cool universe and regardless of how they decide to bring them back or not bring them back, you know, which real quick, uh, I want to, well, we can comment later depending on who we have come on, but, uh, there has been a lot of, uh, interesting little posts that the blog, uh, the bleed has in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in fact, there was a very appropriate one that Austin put up, of the page where uh, Jenny Sparks dies, which of course happens on you know New Year's Eve of 1999, so it was very appropriate. I think he's trying to make us all cry. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot, Austin. No, let's see. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, but he did post some other things. I mean, there was some, I guess, some unused art of Zealot, uh, you know, which obviously was for World's End because the world was still destroyed and the, she was running around. It was by Wes Craig. You know, and um, there's been lots of uh, tribute pieces up. I think Lee Lee Gabbard put one up, and uh, Dan Hip put one up for Gen 13. So, so there's a lot of love for this imprint out there. I don't care, you know, what all the naysayers say. Uh, there's a lot of love for these characters. So, absolutely, and we have so much more to talk about, and we have two guests actually knocking on the door. So. Oh, okay. We're, Let them in. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to pick it up with our guests, and we're going to send the Wildstorm universe off as it should be with drinks. So, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. Actually, I think December was our best month yet for downloads, and we really appreciate all of the support throughout the last year, guys. And, you know, couldn't have done it without Joe. And a lot of people from Wildstorm that actually DC and Wildstorm that reached out to us and were so helpful with reviews and everything. So thanks guys. I hope you enjoy the, uh, the final send off. Yeah. You found each other. Hello. Yo dude. Hey Chris, how you doing? Oh, you know, it's fun day of rain over here. (laughs) So I've heard. So yeah, uh, Ben found me, uh, already. It was weird though. I looked, I looked up his profile, and for some reason, it wouldn't show the picture. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, because when I did, I saw Hellspot right away. So, <laughs> eh, maybe it was just one of those weird, funky things. Yeah, whatever update you got on your phone, you sound so much better than you did when we did the Killer Instinct review. <laughs> well, you know what can I say? I'm a slave to technology. What are, <laughs> what are you pouring there, Chris? What was that? Somebody, I heard somebody pouring something. No, I'm not pouring anything. Uh, what were you pouring, Joe? <laughs> well, the only thing pouring out here is rain. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. And I can't I have no control over that. <laughs> yeah, so, no, it, uh, so what's on the, the docket for today? Lots of tears. Lots of. <laughs> I don't know if I have any more left. <laughs> yeah. No. I. Uh, I just talked to Titanothrope 
on the phone, and he said he didn't have a mic, but he was going to try to scramble to see if he could get something. So I told him we'd be here for a while if he wants to uh, come on. So, oh, I'm sure Garrick will pull through. It's not <laughs> like we didn't give him any notice or anything. I know, exactly. I mean, come on. We had, like, what, a month <laughs> notice? Yeah. So, well, I was just lucky. My I had earlier plans, and they fell through. I was like, I'm going to cut this a little short, and he... Text us reschedule. I'm like, yes, we can, we can totally reschedule. <laughs> uh, this is a historic day too. This is the first time that Yo-Yo Master and Chris Stryker meet too. So Ooh, this is true. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, I have, I'm slowly but surely trying to get, you know, meet everybody on the from the boards one day. Yeah. Not that we'll actually have the boards for who knows how long. <laughs> actually, I was yeah. surprised at first that they're still up. I was like, man, cross the fingers. I was like, it's loading. Oh, it's still there. Hey, they don't yeah. they don't go back to work until Monday. I mean, somebody's got to push the button to. <laughs> it's true, to but thought, you know they said just because they hate us so much, they would pay somebody just to be there <laughs> first to go delete. <laughs> Austin, you have to work over the weekend just to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but yeah, you know, what can I do? I, I, I only hope for the best that they would still be there, and they're still there. And <clears throat> but for who, for how lo- much longer, we don't know. Well, I guess we can. Uh, I mean, I don't know what you had planned, Ben, but we can. Uh, we can get Chris's uh, thoughts on some of the final issues, if you'd like. Yeah, sure. Wow, I don't want that at all, though. <laughs> Whatever that was. Uh, what issues are we covering? <laughs> Good God. <laughs> Was that before everybody went deaf? Or, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. My uh, my headphone got stuck in a crowd and it like, went right out my ear. See, oh, okay. see, kids, this is why you don't drink in podcasts. He's probably not even drinking, but. <laughs> oh, oh, that would be terrible. He <laughs> still got alcohol be, in it, from New It'd be night. so incoherent. <laughs> And it'd be even a lot more crying than usual. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Authority. Last issue of The Authority and the last issue of Wildcats. Awesome. Gen okay. 13 if you want. <laughs> oh, yeah, and Gen 13. But, you know. All right, well, I just got to dig them out so I can kind of refresh myself uh, with them. Luckily, they're all on my computer desk. <laughs> Ready to be cried over. Ah, there we go. So yeah, uh, other than that, sounds good. Well, not good because they're the last issues, but <laughs> last print issues. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you know, know you, they have that message from from <laughs> that Lee said. You know, there's some in the later year we'll be hearing more news about them. Like, well, what can you do? You've ended it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, at least it's some hope. Well, so that means we'll see them in some form. So oh, I'm I'm hoping. Cartoons and movies. Well, better cartoons than the original Wildcats cartoon, because that was crap. <laughs> I mean, oh, come on. Dude, I, it hurts. It hurts. Yes, it's nostalgia, but it, there's only so much pain nostalgia can uh, overcome. <laughs> you know, come on, that theme song. But it did give us Grifter Eyes, so it's yeah. not all bad. Well, thanks for coming on, Chris. We'll see you later. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> I might just have to edit that theme song in just just for you. Oh, you won't you won't uh, you won't have to here in a second. Uh, Why are you gonna sing it? Yeah, I'll sing it for you. See how good I am. <laughs> you sing the first. You sing the top. I'll sing the bottom. Yeah, <laughs> the top and the bottom. Well, this is all. This is all bottom. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know how to make that work. Uh, ben, I'll have to edit it in post. So. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can fix anything in post, apparently. That's right. Yes, Except I've, for... I've made several interviews sound really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> anyway, yeah, we're we're kicking ourselves for not bringing you on for the final issue of Authority, but we're making up for that now. So there we go. I'm here. I made it. Took me, you know, a while to finally get a good update on this Skype. <laughs> Since you are the authority on the authority, there's <laughs> nobody better that should talk about it than you. Exactly. That's right. So, <clears throat> it was so sad. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't that bad of an ending. I really liked the ending, you know, besides it ended. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Taylor did a good job on it. So, do you consider that the ending, or Wildcats Thirty the ending of the Authority? Because half of that book has the Authority in it. Uh, well, I mean, as it goes, Thirty is the ending. But if they ever traded it, which <sighs> they probably won't, <laughs> it, it it's an ending that I think most people might be satisfied with. You know? Yeah. Because it's like, you know, you got the, the doctor at, uh, back at, like, you're presumably full health. You got um, uh, River, who has this insane amount of knowledge that you'll presume that he'll be able to help fix things, you know, as it becomes available to him. And you got a fully functional carrier. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I, I I wish we could get more of River. I mean, that was such a cool new character, and yeah. I know. I mean, so uh, much that could be done there. I know. And he's like, you're like, wow. It's like drummer turned up to eleven. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the first thing I thought of when he's like, you know, the spirit of information. I'm like, that's drummer. But now you have the spirit of information. What could he do? <laughs> what can't he, he do? Exactly. Like, he made people invisible just by manipulating the information around them. I was like, that's awesome. That is. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I just made it so they can't see us. <laughs> like, you can do that? Yeah, I wonder if he's actually almost too powerful. I mean, probably not because he's young, but... Well, I mean, all of, the, all of them are too powerful well, in their own way. I guess that's true. I mean, Jenny Quantum uh, can manipulate reality itself. Really, what do you do to defend against that? (laughs) (laughs) You just keep fighting her and fighting her like they did in Authority Prime. (laughs) Well, yeah, well, because uh, Jackson King was able to manipulate her mind. Mm -hmm. He's like the most, one of the most powerful telepaths in the world after he got shot in the head. Go figure. (laughs) 
So that should be scary that he could do that to her and not to Gaia. So <laughs> that shows you how powerful Gaia is. Yeah. You know, uh, that, that's actually interesting that you brought that up, Chris. Like, I think this last two years of the Authority run, um, I think we saw the most interaction with the human population than any other time in Wildstorm. I, I could be wrong about that, but... With the Authority or with just the characters in general? The characters in general, but with the Authority, the fact that there were so many trapped on the carrier and the fact that they had to really, you know, protect the population that was on the carrier. I just, I thought that those superheroes, for the first time, had to really deal with the human population more so than they did on Earth. At least that we got to see. No, I think you're right. Because usually they come in, blow some shit up, and they're off. (laughs) <laughs> you know, hey, we saved you. Right. Clean up the mess. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, there's more. Um, no, because the authority was more. Uh, was it like, you know, kick, explode, you know, action. Not real deal. Not really dealing with the consequences too much, unless it was a, a part of the story. You know, like with. Um, uh, Miller's last arc where the people struck back well at least the corporations and uh, governments struck back right and uh, but they would give us glimpses of uh, the population like with the Rogue Doctor story arc where they had the mass exodus and then with um, what's his name Robbie Morrison's arc and where they had the Godhead arc where it, it dealt with religion on a global scale. So, I mean, they did, but not as much. Not a, I think they did it on such a large scale. With the last two years, they did it more on an intimate scale. Like, almost on like a one-on-one type scale. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I meant. Like, they had to yeah. deal with them directly. Like they exactly. Because they were stuck on the same boat. Literally. Exactly. Flying through space. <laughs> Sometimes full of vampires, <laughs> and that vampire arc was awesome. The way they took care of that. Oh, we'll just make the we'll just make it translucent. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, was awesome. you're like, really? It could do that? Yeah. Why can't it? I don't know. I never thought about it. Yeah, that was like one of those things. First, was it his first issue, or was that? Uh... Uh, no, I think that was the end of um, Adam and Mark. Uh, Mark, thank you. That, that was the end of their first run. Hmm. It was too bad they got they got kind of kicked off. Whatever or, you're clicking, stop it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it must be really clear then. It is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's too bad that Mark and Adam got uh, parted ways with their arc. Yeah, but obviously Creative they were still on good terms with uh, they were still on good terms with Wildstorm at uh, SDCC because they were at the booth. Remember? Yeah, well, uh, I, the, their whole thing was it was uh, creative differences between them and Shannon Denton, the editor, before he left. Mm. He was the editor on the book, and I guess they couldn't. There was some sort of impasse, which I don't know what the impasse was about the the, the direction they wanted to the way. Shannon thought the book should go in the direction Mark and Adam thought the book should go. 
Mm-hmm. And so well, that was that. Apparently. Really different, obviously, than what we ended up with. So yeah, well, I know like one of the changes, like I guess Rose Tattoo is supposed to be in the box instead of the Katsumui uh, EMP rifle. Oh, is that what they told you? Yeah, that it was supposed to be her. <laughs> exactly, and I thought, hey, that'd be interesting. Hmm. The ultimate weapon, <laughs> the ultimate yeah. doomsday weapon for the ultimate, uh, <laughs> the ultimate showdown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's the spirit of death. Exactly. Well, well, at least we got to see her over in Authority last year, so. Oh. Highlights of that book. <laughs> oh, those two issues by uh, Brandon were phenomenal. Yeah, they they were freaking fantastic. I have to be Stat Boy really quick. That was Tom Taylor's very first issue on the Authority. Which um, one, the translucent one? Yep. Oh was, well, there you go. It was it was issue number twenty two. Okay. Yeah, I don't have. Oh, I guess stop clicking. Sorry, I tend to <laughs> I tend to get fidgety if I. Uh, <laughs> when I'm just talking on the phone, I'm just like, I got free hands. That's why you're supposed. To, that's why you're supposed to drink. <sighs> like I'm a water right here, but it's yeah. Um, oh, I forgot, and then I just lost my train of thought. Uh, you were but, talking uh, about uh, oh, what was that? Rose tattoo. I, no, no, no. You you guys had moved on to years end or oh, not? Oh yeah, the the two issue story by Brandon Bordeaux. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, you should. Uh, if you guys, are, I know, uh, Joe, you're on Facebook. Ben, are you on Facebook? No, I refuse to be. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, the only reason I do is because uh, Ben, uh, no, Ben, uh, Brandon, he posted a ton of like a ton of uh, uh, penciled uh, pages from his run on Lost Year. Oh yeah. Yeah. So they're they're really good to look at just before they've been inked and colored. They're still pretty. But you have to take forever to color, though. <laughs> oh, I know. But yeah, I, I was I was hoping they would have kept with the because uh, originally it was supposed to be uh, one artist per four issues, mm-hmm. and so he was. I, I but then I guess they changed it up to is like one artist per arc. You know, two issue arc. Right. So, I would love to have four issues of Brandon. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think everybody would agree with that. <laughs> it's just he's just so slow. That's the thing. Well, yeah. he he draws like a full freaking page, and then they scale down each page to the panels, right? Uh, well, he draws um, on what I think he draws on regular comic book. Uh, paper, whatever the size that is, it escapes me right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they they do that for all of them. They just shrink it down. They shrink it down, I guess, in um for uh, for print purposes. <sighs> the detail he adds is amazing. Yeah. So, is there any crazy insights that you can give us? Because you seem to be really in on some inside stuff. Uh, uh, that it matters. Hey, Wildstorm's ending. <laughs> ah, not so much uh, lately. I mean, I, I I used to get a bunch of like pages from the, some of the artists, like it was still penciled. They say, "Here, check this out," but don't post them. That's cool. Ah, <laughs> oh, like yeah. No, but you had uh, before when Adam was coming on, and he was kind of setting up 
mm-hmm. you know, where everything was going. I know that you were tapped to, uh, I guess, add the list of characters, every, every Wildstorm universe character that you can possibly think of. Like, Oh, yes, the list. Yeah, the list. I about the list. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got a, I got an email from Ben Abernathy. Hey, you going to say, you know, he goes, hey, um, can you do us a favor? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he goes, hey, uh, we're, we're compiling a list of all the characters, you know, I, they can think of. He goes, can you, one, add any characters we may have missed? Two, go over what we have of these characters and make sure it's correct. You know, their powers, they're alive, they're dead, uh, or what status they're in at the moment. Mm-hmm. And don't talk about it. <laughs> Fine, <laughs> I won't talk about it. So, yeah, I spent like three days going over the list, and it was, uh, the list said, what character was on which team? Which characters were off limits? Basically, all the deviate characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew what characters were going to die, um, but some of the lists were changed. Like uh, Warblade was supposed to be gravely injured, um, which he help- was almost at one point. Was he? Oh yeah, he was during the Red Blade arc. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, okay, um, but it had stuff like that. Who's gravely injured? who's gravely injured, they might die, who's going to be in a coma, um, and then uh, who was... They had some of the people wrong, like who was dead, who was alive. Like, a lot of the people from the monarchy were still alive, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I was like, really? Did they blow up at the end of time or something? <laughs> or the beginning of time, or what have you? So, and then... uh what else was there? Um, yeah, but basically, I knew who. But before every before everything, I knew who was going on which team. Uh, like I knew who's on the, who's going to be on the authority. I knew who's going to be on uh, the Wildcats. So, I think I threw a few hints out there once in a while because I couldn't really come out and say, "Hey, guess what." I know I'm not supposed to talk about it, but guess who's going to be on which team? <laughs> so that was that was what late 2007. You knew all that, or when did you start doing that? Um, yeah, probably late 2007. Yeah, um, sounds about right. Which uh, is really weird because that's when I actually came back to Wildstorm Universe. Huh. <laughs> Long all the stars were aligning. Yes. yes. <laughs> for the big cataclysmic end. Yeah, yeah in more so ways there, than one, apparently. Yeah. So was there anything, Chris, that was on there that uh, that they didn't get to? Like, like Kind of like the Rose Tattoo thing. So you're saying originally she was supposed to be in the box, huh? Yeah, because she was on the list, and she said authority. But mm-hmm. that was... Um, but it was one of the things I think they changed when... Uh, Tom came on board uh, to because I even confirmed it with uh, Adam and Mark at San Diego Con. Well, I well, I guessed it on uh, Twitter too. I sent uh, when I was guessing. I go, I can guess who's in the box. <laughs> yeah, I, it may have been you, but when everybody was guessing on the boards, I think Rose Rose Tattoo was mentioned. That would be me. 
<laughs> Probably. Oh, here's the... Okay, wait, I was looking for the file on my computer. I found the file. Of the list? Of the list. Are you ever going to post that on the Wildstorm resource wiki or send it to one of us? Or... I can. That'd be sweet. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to pull up when it was last modified. Can I give you a date? Uh, nope, I can't. It gives it when the last last time I opened it. Uh, no, when was the when was the? Let's see. I'm trying to think. When did Adam come on board to the the book? January. January. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Then I got the list in about August of 2000. August. This says it was created in August 21st, 2009. So hmm. does that sound about right? Yeah, it gives them several months before the before the first yeah. issue came out. So that that sounds about right then. Let me open it up. See what I have. And they had a few of the powers, kind of. Or they had them. I thought that was kind of wrong, like just the way they described it. Mm-hmm. You mean of an, uh, an original character's powers, like the way that they describe? Yeah. Okay. Um, or it just I just tweaked it enough where it sounded a little bit better. <laughs> and unfortunately, I don't have what it was said before before I changed it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like they on here they have. Um, Union as deceased, which I guess I don't know if that's that's. Well, he did kill himself in the Authority, so. <laughs> yeah, he turned into the uh, Metropolitan, right? I think so. Yeah, think so. <laughs> so. So yeah, basically, it was just. Uh, but heroes never die. <laughs> well, right. Unless they kill themselves at, them. <laughs> at a party at the on the authority. <laughs> well, they don't, they don't, they don't die, but they do change. So he changed. Oh, okay. So, but yeah, it basically, it's just uh, just stuff that. Uh, yeah. Okay. One of them was like Buzz Dixon. They had uh, from Team Achilles. Uh, they had. Difference. They just said, you know, a chameleon. I just kind of tweaked it up because he had telepathy, uh, wall crawling, in- enhanced senses, camouflage, so stuff like that. Basic stuff. You know, I'm sure they have like all this, all this stuff to do. And they can't go through every character to go through. That's why they needed the the who's who guide of all the characters. That way, they just opened up. Okay, there it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad, too, because I know we talked with Jim Chadwick there, and he, well, all of them, him, Scott Peterson, they all loved the the Wallstorm Resource Wiki, you know. Yeah. So it's kind of a shame that we're only going to get to use that anymore. Yeah. Uh, well, knows? I mean, again, we don't know what they're going to do with Wildstorm, the Wildstorm characters, what they're, whatever announcement they're going to do. Yeah. I was oh. surprised that Jim Lee said they were going to talk about their fate in the coming year uh we were just talking about that on on the recording we just did uh we wonder if he saw how many people were commenting about it online and were like oh people do like us they just wanted us to get out of world's end you know <laughs> so but um we'll see well it actually from a business standpoint it probably makes sense like they can pay they can pay a creator to write and 
you know, do all the artwork and then not have to use the printer because space on a hard drive on a server somewhere out there is a hell of a lot cheaper than to run all the prints that may yeah. or may not sell. So for them to come back digitally actually kind of makes a lot of sense. And, you know, their digital sales are growing every month that we know of, I assume. Yeah, and, and th- I mean, the way they left it off, they can uh, either start fresh or just jump ahead a few years or just whatever. And you say, hey, it's been fixed. So it's not disrupting continuity, but it gets out of the world's end for those people who hate it. But uh, for those people who liked it, it's a natural progression the way it was left. You know, you had, you had all the characters who could fix things at full strength. The Earth was has the Doctor and Tumbleweed, you know, is helping out uh, reseeding the Earth. So, I mean, conceivably in a few years with those, those uh, characters, they could rebuild or at least, you know, reestablish humanity. And so those of us who actually like the world's end uh, story, we're like, okay, they rebuilt. <laughs> we just, we, we just didn't get to see it. Right. Well, but we, but we got to see the foundations up for it in uh, Wildcats 30. Yeah. And I mean, regardless of how they choose to do it, I mean, one thing I think we've talked about before, if they do go all digital, you know, if if it sells well online, you know that we may still get some trades because obviously trades are bigger sellers than comics. It seems like sometimes because that kind of goes outside the comic market, you know, because it's in bookstores and things like that. Mm-hmm. And apparently, there's not that big stigma on them anymore. So that's kind of like the the non-comic fans, you know, peek into the comic world. It's yeah, the, and and you can you know, and trades trade. are uh, you can get trades pretty cheap through websites. Mm-hmm. You know, like Amazon or, uh, um, damn, I can't remember in the stock other. Tra- in stocktrades.com. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> so, I mean, but you can, because you can find them, you know, they sell them like 25, 30% off. And my, so, mycomicshop.com. That's the one I was thinking about. That was the other one I was trying to think of. Yeah. <laughs> thank, those, thank you, those are the, for giving my local comic shop. You're welcome. There you're you welcome. Go. <laughs> NewDimensionComics.com. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I think um, hopefully if the digital does well, they'll offer uh, trades. You know, like maybe uh, print on demand or you know something, something where you can have it on your bookshelf. Yeah, and I think technology is just making it easier. I I, I think so many people are starting smartphones and stuff like that and the tablet market is just opening up i mean yeah. with kindle sales and stuff like that ebook readers i mean it's just they're hitting it at the right point i think yeah and with the the only thing they need i think is a uh, like a like a one-stop reader for dc marvel image independent stuff because right now you have to download all these different apps to read comic books from each uh, each company. Yeah, but it, you're going to have a hard time doing that because that's the same issue with movie rights and TV rights. You have different apps for all that stuff too because nobody wants to play in the same field. Like they all have they all have their their same deals. 
So I, I don't think you're ever going to run across that. I mean, some some major conglomerate like Amazon maybe could pull that off, but I was or like, if, or like well, Comicsology, you know what they're doing? They have every company in one spot. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, I was thinking maybe if uh, Diamond ever got their stuff together, they could figure it out. Oh, I would not. Want- yeah. <laughs> yeah, all our digital comics will start uh, being the same price that we're paying for the stands. Right. And maybe That's more. True. And they'll come late. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah, we uploaded it. You get it Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to see a Comicsology app for the Boxy Box because I just got one of those and that would be awesome. Because the, the way that Comicsology does their their issues i mean it reads so cool and even on a tv that would be easy to read because it goes yeah. panel, panel by panel it's not like one whole page yeah i'm not sold on reading comics on my phone because it's just so small it hurts to my <laughs> eyes after 22 pages and x amount of panels like oh Got a headache. And I still have five <laughs> issues more to read. Yeah. <laughs> and that's but, even zooming in on the panels. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh-huh. But the one thing is, if if they do, I the uh, the only thing is, it would be I have friends that I we kind of trade comics. Like, hey, read this that I got, and he'll give me some to read. You know, because I may not you know buy that specific uh, title because of budget issues. So it's kind of nice. To have that copy to, to switch, mm-hmm. especially with trays, because um, I have a friend. I just lent her all thirteen volumes of Walking Dead. Wow. <laughs> well, she read the first six, but then she started school like two years ago and hasn't had time. So she just wanted to read them over the weekend uh, and kind of refresh. And with digital, I don't know if I could. You know, if that's something that'd be possible. You know, here's my phone. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Give it back on Monday. Here's my iPad. Yeah. If your eyes aren't bleeding from all those pages, reading on my little phone. <laughs> so. Yeah. So there's, I think there's drawbacks and to the uh, digital that they might have to fix for those people who like to uh, have a hard copy. Well, I think. Okay, I can't speak for everybody, but the people that have been in it for a long time, I think, prefer the actual print. Yeah, well, I mean, I like um, like when, well, when I go on vacation, I'll just fill up my uh, like uh, my backpack full with some trades. So if I'm on the plane or you know somewhere, I can just open and read at my leisure. Not have to worry about running my battery down. Right, but with that, think how short a time span that people stop buying CDs and just filled up their iPods. No, and it's so, true. And but again, if I get like you know, if you know, you get a Kindle two that has color, right? Uh, you know, your iPad two, you know, that, I mean, that's just like a short term. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, then you could just uh, go on a plane, boot up your uh, whatever your tablet is, and you just read. Yeah. And then again, one, you have access to all your comics too. So. Yeah, I was gonna say one interesting aspect that a friend of mine who works in the video game industry uh, brought to mind that kind of goes with what we're talking about. He says that he's noticed that this new generation uh, is not gonna have a lot of stuff that they claim ownership to. Everything that they have is downloadable. Their their media, you know, their music, their video games are going that way too. So with comics to be going that way, you know, you're gonna have a lot of people who 
don't know what it's like to have a comic book collection, you know. I mean, they'll be like, yeah, I've got a folder of them on my hard drive. Yeah, but that's not the same as having a bunch of long boxes, you know. <laughs> you poor deluded fool. You used to have like three, you know, like ten boxes full of comics. <laughs> just taking up space. That's and you have to lumber them out of the closet when I wanted to go through the back issues and to get one <laughs> comic. Yeah. I just open a folder and go down num- numerically. <laughs> I just have it. Too easy. I should, yeah. You just have to walk 30 miles to the comic book stores back in front. <laughs> so, if you could find one. Yeah, yeah that was true. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's going to that's be kind of sad when they all go under, but. Yeah. Well, they'll they have to adapt. Yeah, because that's what they've talked about, too, is that, uh, I mean, the big two know that uh, they'll kill the comic shops if they make it only digital, mm-hmm. you know? So. Yeah. Well, well yeah. I, I was shocked by how, how DC has closed the gap even on a lot of issues that are out right now um, from their print release and their their digital release. Yeah, well, I think they're right now they're just testing the waters. Right. You know, there's like, if we put all this stuff out, let's see what, uh, you know, if people want it. Because if they're going to buy all the back issues, because didn't they just release, like, like all the Batman the Batman title is like a hundred issues of the Batman title, or oh, something. I'm not, I'm not sure. But You're talking to the wrong people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought I read something off the source uh, about them releasing a bunch of Batman titles digitally. But the, but the, why I was saying is because if um, you know, if you have somebody, if you have a lot of people buying all the back issues of it, they are definitely going to you know buy, you know all the issues coming down the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it'd, be, it'd be cool if they did stuff like that and they were like, hey, if you want to get in on this like one-time deal, you can get all those 100 issues for like 75 bucks. Like that would be sweet. Like I would I would get that or $50 in digital, you know. Yeah, because you know, they know the comic book collectors have this completist mm-hmm. mentality. Okay, here it is. It's like um, Batman 101 issues for 99 cents each. Yeah, see, that's a tough buy. Like, if they could bundle it, that would be awesome. Like, every now and again, run a special and bundle it. Yeah. Because who's going to go back and buy all those for a buck a piece? Like, I don't know. Well, I mean, over time, they might. You know, they're like, yeah, I just got paid. I'll just buy five more issues. Five more issues or ten more issues or, you know. Or if they have a slow week at the store, like I have once in a while, you know. Hey, but then so it's also guys... part of that completist mentality. I have to have them all. They're like yeah. Pokemon. Gotta yeah, catch I was them. <laughs> no, I was gonna say, do you guys want to discuss speculation on what you think they're gonna do uh, when they do bring the characters back? Because obviously they're gonna do something this year, you know. Because my well, personal. Well, obviously, obviously they are. Well, I don't think they're going to do anything this year. I think we'll get the announcement, but 2012 will actually get something. Yeah, that'd be I think that'd be I think San Diego Con is probably where we'll hear something about what they'll do. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but when I was at the New York Con, they really like questions about Wildstorm. So if you guys go to any cons, <laughs> feel free to bug them. Well, the only, I think the only cons are going to go is like WonderCon in San Francisco and San Diego if they ever get this tickets on sale. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, because ultimately, I mean, the one argument has always been, you know, to to bring Wildstorm into the DC universe. But the thing is, they already did that in '52. You know, so technically, they already are there. And all this was just a, a move to just get rid of the name Wildstorm and just start referring to them as the Earth Fifty, you know, characters. Yeah. Which, but, but they'll, they'll, but they'll still refer them to as the Wildstorm characters, like they, you know, refer to Shazam as Fawcett, a Fawcett character. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, You're like right. Blue Beetle and uh, uh, the and Charleston characters, the Charleston characters, the Milestone characters, like Static yeah. and Icon. So they'll, I think they'll always be referred to them as, you know, you're like, oh, do you see, you know, so and so, and who's that? Oh, they're the they're Wildstorm characters, whatever. So I think they'll always have that tag because that's the way people remember them. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because, uh, I mean, unless, well, I guess it's kind of different. Like, what was it? The Justice Society, but that way, I mean, those are DC things. But they just, uh, but they are on a different Earth, though, right? Originally, well, now they are, aren't they? Aren't they considered a different Earth, the Justice Society? Uh, not to know. I don't keep up with oh. them. But anyway, the point is, is that obviously they're going to be one of the. They already are one of the Earths. Yeah. So, um, I know James from uh, from the week. He had posted some interesting ideas about you know how it could be the DC Earth. He basically posted you know how. How they're you know Superman never landed on that Earth and you know Bruce Wayne's parents never got killed so he never became Batman and things like that basically everything that erases all the DC heroes you know from the Wallstorm Earth so thought that yeah would be I interesting. mean that would be interesting you have them pop up as you know different types of characters but the only thing is though is there's too much of a uh, I think would there be too much of an urge for them to say, you know, make them revert back to the characters that everybody knows them as, mm-hmm. like they kind of like they did with um, Marvel did with the Ultimate Universe. They were all yeah. supposed to be different, but then there was a time where you couldn't even, you know, distinguish between the two, you know, the the two different realities. Yeah, because everybody just started reverting them to the way everybody uh, knows them. Yeah. Well, it's Especially hard. X-Men. It's, yeah, it's hard to get away from that when you know them so well, and you're, yeah. it's ingrained in you. It's like only if you brought on a writer who had never ever read an issue of X-Men before, or something like that, you know. Or if you yeah. get a writer who just who gets it, like um, Kirkman, Robert Kirkman did a uh, run on X-Men, X, uh, uh, Ultimate X-Men, mm-hmm. where he turned, where Cable came back for the future, but he was really Wolverine. From the mm. future, I thought, see, that's that's what you do. You take a concept and you totally tweak it, and you make it different, but yet kind of conceivably, you know, similar. So, would you guys prefer that they do with the Wallstorm characters? Then just start from scratch and you know just keep the basic bare basics. It's like Grifter's still a gunslinger, you know, but uh, his origin is different than Team Seven and all that, you know, or. You know what would you guys prefer out of the two? There's a difference between a reimagining and just a completely reboot. You know, all that all that's left is the character's name and possibly their powers. You know, to whereas a reimagining, you know. Oh, I, I kind of like the idea. I kind of like the idea of them being the same, 
maybe the origins aren't the same, but just tweaked because the the origin for the uh, Team Seven characters is pretty good. Oh and yeah, it kind of oh, sets the foundation for the the whole Wildstorm universe. Yeah, no, definitely. So, but I mean, reimagining is not always a bad thing. I, with with the with the characters in the right hands. Yeah, yeah, because like Batman Begins is a reimagining. You know, it's still the same basic Batman story, but uh, I'm sorry, no, that one's a reboot, not a reimagining. That's a reboot because it's basically yeah. the same story, just done better. You know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, what would be an example of a reimagining? What's something where the original story and the new one don't mix at all? Battlestar Galactica. Yes, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess would be. I mean the the. I mean the basic premise is there. Um, like they, they reimagine like Gaius Baltar. The original he he knowingly betrayed everybody, mm-hmm. and he was he was okay, oddly okay with it. And the <laughs> new one, he was kind of deluded into helping them betray everybody, and then he just. Didn't want anybody to find out. Yeah. What do you think, so, Ben? Sorry, go ahead, Chris. No, uh, go ahead. I think Ben's gone. I think no, gone. I'm not. I'm not gone. <laughs> he's he's, he's drank himself into a stupor. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> like he um, passed out. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> I've been drinking too much. Um, I don't. I don't know. I, I. Man, this whole year has just been crazy to me. Um, you know, to, I, I guess I was saying earlier with Joe, you know, we we finally got the chance to put this podcast together. I really got into the Wildstorm universe, like, in a big, big way. And to have it, like, pulled out from underneath my feet, you know, it's starting at the age of 12, whenever it started. And that was my first foray into comics. And, yeah... In, in October to just be told that it was done and I already had my tickets to New York Comic Con like I, I was pissed oh, and, yeah, so, I and so when I showed up to New York Comic Con and I met Ben Abernathy and Frank Canals and Jim Lee like I, I, I didn't let them off the hook like I was I was mad and yeah. they didn't have anything to say to me because they couldn't say anything but yeah well I mean so for them to do something different digitally I don't know. It, it probably won't feel the same to me. If they continue the story just digitally, I would be impressed because I think what the teams did over the last couple of years was incredible. And, you know, I think a lot of people dropped off because of all the reboots and everything over the last 10 years because of how DC handled them. And, and I think Jim Lee got too caught up into all his other projects that he didn't have time for his own creation that you know for them to start over again would be frustrating and I don't think it would do as well I mean well the world storm is that that whole thing that's I think that was the the final straw for the reboot and nobody just came back mm-hmm. you saw the, if you, huh no, they, they tried remember the numbers for authority and walkouts were huge I mean 80,000 for walkouts number one you know no, so I, people I, I, wanted to come back no, no, I'm talking about the failure of that. Oh, yeah. The, uh, no, 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 because the Wildcats had like 96,000 on issue one, and and then Authority had like 80. 
or no, not as, not quite as high, but like seventy thousand or something like that. So people wanted these characters uh, to to read, and then with the whole with it with the whole Grant Morrison uh, letting it fall by the wayside, everybody just got fed up. You know, you, you know, you got a top name era, top top tier talent who. The way it's perceived, they don't. They're not even going to try. Why should I even bother with these characters? Yeah. And so when they did the World's End, the numbers speak for themselves. They just went. They just took a nosedive. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't even reach a. I don't think they. I think they. They started with what, like fifteen thousand, yeah. mm-hmm. when they did uh, World's uh, the World's End number one issues. Yeah, somewhere around but, there. So I mean, that's a hell of a fall off from like ninety six thousand uh, people. Yeah, yeah, and obviously a lot of that, like you said, was the creators who were attached to it, including Jim Lee himself. I mean, people want to see Jim Lee draw. Period. You know, yeah. I think there's a lot of people who don't care if it's the Wallstorm characters or if it's Batman or you know whoever they'll follow him. Yeah, you know? but but you know, like say when they they brought uh, uh, DNA on for Authority, they have a huge following. Mm-hmm. You know, not a huge following, but they have a decent following. But they didn't. Nobody showed up for them. But you got. But their uh, Guardians of the Galaxy stuff over at Marvel is doing pretty well. Yeah. So. So I don't know. It's just one of those things that you're like oh, you, that frustrate us fans who are like, why don't people come to read this stuff? It's good. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think retrospectively, I think people have seen what's come out of Wildstorm, at least the print runs. Yeah. Um, planetary, people know Planetary now. They've realized how good it was when it came out. And now now Sleeper's going to be made into a movie. Red got made into a movie. You know, Warren Ellis did a lot in the Wildstorm universe to get things going. Yeah. And there, but there's been other people who judge, you know, well, Brubaker did a Sleeper. But there's been, like, some good stuff that's came out recently. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's not Wildstorm Universe connected, but like a God Somewhere, which was really good. I mm-hmm. wholeheartedly agree, and Joe and I have loved Eyes of Blood as well. Mm-hmm. You know what? Um, speaking of, so do you guys? Uh, this is a different company, but do you guys check out the uh, a book called The Cape? It's not based on that, that TV series that on ABC. <laughs> no. Uh, no. no, this guy, I went to a comic book store, he goes, hey, did you read the, key, the Cape? And I got this look on my face. And I'm like, the TV show? goes, no, 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 not that piece of crap. <laughs> this is good. And it's, and it's, and it, it's kind of along the lines of a god somewhere. Mm. It's like a real-life super, uh, like a guy who suddenly becomes, has superpowers, and then he goes, takes a nice dark, turn and so I would uh, if you guys uh, ever have some extra cash uh, I'd say check it out is it, what publisher is it, is it um, IDW I think okay cool so yeah, I think I it's going to be it's, it. it's going to be a, uh, a sh- uh, mini series I think like five issues or something like that well I know a lot of the guys on the boards of you know try, are trying to look for things to buy you know, there's a quite a big hole. I mean, my sub at my local comic shop has, you know, 
plummeted to almost nothing. So yeah, same here. <laughs> same here. Um, like like a uh, like all the monthly titles. I think it, like two thirds of my list is gone now. Yeah. <laughs> and then once the miniseries is uh, coming out of um, Lost Summer up, that's just even less I'm getting. Because you know, Victorian Undead will be ending. Yep. Uh, I the Blood will be ending soon. And I think those are the only two currently coming out. So uh, maybe let's talk about some of our favorite creators because, I mean, somebody did put up, and it was probably you, Chris, I don't know, but uh, there was a preview for Joe Casey's newest um, creation, which I really enjoyed that preview. And Joe Casey has done a huge amount of work for Wildstorm, especially with the Wildcats. And I've enjoyed every bit of work that he's done. Mm-hmm. For Wildstorm, which one so, are you thinking about, uh, Butcher Baker? Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of interested in that um, to seeing where he goes. Cause I, I like. I think a lot of people think it's over the top and gratuitous, but, but I, I, think like, the, I think that's the that point. is that is the point, and that's why I enjoyed it. Yeah. And even though we got to see so little of it, but I think that's a lot of what Joe Casey does. Well, so. he, he likes to push the boundaries of the genre like he did with um uh wildcat 3.0 yep he and automatic pushed, kafka yeah you know i never got around to reading this it's one of my things i have to uh, dive back into yeah i gotta uh, find it <laughs> i can probably find it um uh, eventually <laughs> but um but no he likes to push the genre into you know strange and weird directions like who ever thought about a uh corporate superhero team now, if you, somebody says, now if somebody throws out the idea, people are like, yeah, okay, I can see that. Before that, you're like, I've never heard of such a thing. Right. So, you know, it just, it took, so, he, I think, you know, he's like, a, he took something that was kind of ahead of its time, and now people are kind of catching up. Because um, Invincible Iron Man is running a story similar to... A Wildcat 3.0 about the uh, the car that doesn't need fuel. You know, he had the Halo battery, and now Tony Stark's looking to make a car that runs on his repulsor technology. It's like that sounds familiar. I wonder why I read that. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's, you know, it's so it's out there. So, but yeah, definitely Butcher Baker is something I will check out. I mean, it'll be. Um, It'll be something I'm not going to be expecting when I open it up. <laughs> I don't know what to expect, actually, when I open it up. Yeah, I think that's the point. <laughs> yeah, so... But, um, but yeah, just to... Uh, I guess... I don't know what else to talk about here, but... <laughs> I, I yeah. think it'll actually turn me into a trade waiter, almost. Because I have nothing monthly that... I mean, I have a yeah. few things that I'm still going to follow monthly, but... Yeah, well, I think, I, I think that might be a trade waiter too. I, I might pick up the first couple issues, or at least the first issue, just to see if it's something I like. Because if it's like the first issue is like, well, I'm not going to say Joe Casey, it, it probably won't be. But if the first issue is total crap, I probably won't be back for the second issue. So definitely want to get a peek into what I might be in store for as a trade waiter. Yeah, I'm trying to see, you know, who to to support as creators you know i mean like we talked about rebecca isaacs has her mages number one that was out 
It's good. Uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was really good. good. Yeah. And it sold out at uh, mycomicshop.com so far, so that's a good sign. Yeah, it sold, out and, of the, um, it sold out at my local comic shop. I had to go to my backup shops, to, and they had a copy. But, so... Um, but yeah, that's that's what I'm looking for too. I mean, I, I don't know if I'll if I'll find another universe to follow. I mean, I, I've toyed with following the remnants of the Valiant universe over at Dark Horse, but uh, even the guys at the Only the Valiant podcast, I mean, they've kind of had their favorites and not so favorites. So I'm not yeah. sure. You know, they're kind of like us the way we are with Wildstorm. So I really listen to them on that. So. Yeah. Um, well, I'll probably go to uh, Image is probably where I'm going to be going to because it's. Pretty much been my backup universe for the last like couple years. Mm-hmm. So and now I, you know yeah. I'm, I'm gonna pull them to the you know the majors as the forerunner of my my <laughs> obsession with comics. Yeah, and I, I'll I'll do the same. Like I, you know, obviously we still or I I still listen to the guys at Image Addiction all the time, and they're always talking about a lot of a lot of good creator owned stuff. And it's not necessarily series, you know. I mean. Uh, you know, because I I so want to get into the Top Cow universe, and I've already read a lot of the early Ron Mars stuff, but uh, it's just good stuff, funny too. Yeah, but uh, it's trying to get those trades right now, and spending about ten to fifteen dollars a trade trying to catch up. So it's going to take some time. So is the way. Yeah, I'm so. I'm interested to see what Gil Simone does. Uh, I might follow what she does. I mean. She's so smart and witty with her writing, and as a person to get to see her at a con, she is a freaking sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, she, she's a cool she's a cool creator. Yeah, uh, but you know, I found most creators are pretty pretty good people. Oh, I've, no I've 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 had very few bad experiences with creators, so more good than bad, that's for sure. Except when they steal your universe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we tried so hard. We tried so hard to get Gail Simone on here, but once our fall schedules with our work started, it was just almost impossible to get her. Yeah, that happens. I mean, I've uh, I've had my ups and downs with just getting written interviews, where you just write out the question and goes, just fill them out at your own convenience. Yeah, (laughs) you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm behind. You know. You know, most of the time they've been pretty good about getting them back. You know, they say, "Hey, well, I'm kind of busy, but I'll get them to you in, in, a, in a couple of weeks." Oh, that's fine. I've had a few creators just never respond. I'm like, dude, I sent you the questions like a month ago. <laughs> Where are you? Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, but yeah. Uh, so, I'm actually looking forward to hopefully meeting some more creators. I, I actually met. A ton of them. At, you know, I was with Joe at uh, San Diego Con, just meeting a ton of them, left and right. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was awesome meeting, especially pretty much the entire Wildstorm crew. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, still kicking myself for running out of business cards, uh, trying to get uh, Jim Lee. <laughs> well, who knew? Who knows if you who cared? <laughs> No, nah, Jim is a, for all the crap Jim takes online. He's a pretty good guy. He probably just got overwhelmed with work. I mean, he's 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 pretty up there now with the company. So, no, he is a nice guy. I mean, yeah, yeah he answered my question politely in New York, and yeah, it is. It just seems like he's just swamped by everything. You know, yeah. everybody wants everything out of him, and he just can't. And he spent a lot of time on 
the Sony online game if it'll ever come out. It is. They got it. They got a release date for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> when I see it on the, the, the third the store, isn't that like the third release date though? Yeah, yeah. When we see it, it on the like, shelves at the store, then we'll believe it. <laughs> yeah, what, isn't it like uh, on the 11th of this month? It's supposed to be like one 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 one. Yeah, <laughs> at one eleven p.m. Yeah, <laughs> in eleven seconds. I I would be interested in seeing the game. Like, I would love if you could modify it enough that we could come up with. A, a Wildstorm crew and just destroy the crap out of all the people, but I don't know how flexible it'll be. I'm sure they got. I'm sure they got as much variation as City of Heroes. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Well, Chris, we're gonna have to cut it short. Looks like uh, nobody else is coming to this party. So. <laughs> okay. But uh, uh, I am glad that at least you got to come on. If anybody deserves to talk about the Wall Storm universe it's definitely you so <laughs> absolutely yeah I mean it's, I mean it's well I mean I told I mean when when I got into the Wall Storm universe I was like I came over you know because of Jim Lee because um, you know I was in X-Men <laughs> yeah I mean I was like heavy into X-Men and then he came over so I was like I was reading both and then finally X-Men just burned me one last one too many times and I just mm-hmm. dropped it and yeah. went over to Wildstorm and you know had my ups and downs with them just because of how much I was making uh, financially I had my financial ups and downs so I missed series here and there uh, because I just couldn't afford it and I just couldn't afford what stick with the titles I really had wanted to keep mm-hmm. and then <clears throat> and the authorities what kept me in the comics I mean, I was really down to my last three uh, titles until my friend Tim said, "Dude, you have to read this. Oh, it's just, it's just, I'm like, it's just another team book. Who cares? <laughs> I'm so done." And so he finally just took whatever I was reading out of my hands, put the first issue in it, and he said, "Read it." <laughs> and I read the first. He had the first three issues, and I was hooked. I was like, "This is amazing." It is. Why didn't you tell me to read this before? <laughs> and he goes, I did. He goes, try harder next time. <laughs> and, I, and I and I had missed all of Warren at the time. I just missed all of Warren Ellis's uh, run, so I spent like months just backtracking every issue of um, Stormwatch, which surprise was surprisingly hard to do because there's just certain issues that I couldn't find. Yeah. So, and I looked for all those variants too, and they're really hard to find. Yes, <laughs> variants are usually pretty hard to find. Cheap variants are pretty are even more impossible to find. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna miss it. Uh, but I got you know got all the back issues, and there's plenty of issues I don't have. Yeah, and, same here. <laughs> and, yeah, that's that's one thing that you know I have all the back issues I chased them all I have so much to read that I've never even read and that's one thing like I'll get to spend a couple years just reading back issues that I never got to read well even that there's issues I haven't read since they first came out oh yeah that's so that's what that's what 18 years ago yeah you know so it's you know so it's it's probably so old I've already forgotten about it (laughs) 
I yeah. remember that. Or I don't remember that, but it makes sense to, because I do remember this happening, you know, 10 years later with a character. Yeah. yeah. I think there are close to 1,600 single issues. That includes variants. <laughs> Damn. Wow. <laughs> so take the variants out of the equation. There's probably about 300 single issues. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> a good one. <laughs> In those early days, man. Oh, yeah. 13 alone, yeah. <laughs> yeah 13, you know, the four issues, you had to get four number one issues just to make a poster of interlocking right, yeah. uh, right. cover. Like, oh. Those are what I don't miss get about the <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but I love the two interlocking character uh, ty- uh, uh, covers for Wildcats and the Authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't get the Wildcats one. I'm kind of ticked about that. Austin, if you're listening, come on. Yeah, look <laughs> a brother up. I need the variant yeah. for Wildcats 28, I think, or 29. Uh, yeah, my comic shop had it, so I go, go see if they still have it. They don't. They don't have it online. Wow. Uh, yeah. Which one, number 28? I think so, yeah. Uh, it's the Andy, it, Andy Park variant. I might be able to find... I'm. Well, no promises, but there's a comic store that tends to have every variant known to man so i can look there next time i'm down in that area yeah, it's not a big deal i i can probably i can probably find it locally they'll just charge me ten dollars for it yeah that's and the things they'll charge probably about the same yeah they're they're the store that i go to when i can't find it anywhere else yeah. Yeah. it's just so far away i just don't want to make a trip out there just for one thing <laughs> so you really do i want to spend five dollars in gas for a right, dollar right. comic. <laughs> it, it, it evens out eventually. <laughs> <laughs> this cost me uh, eight bucks. Yeah. Worth it. You want to raise your glass, Ben? Absolutely. <laughs> raise your water, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> it has been raised. All right. Here's to Wild Storm Universe. That's right. Clink it to your microphone. <laughs> you finally became an adult before you left us. Yeah, yes. There you go. <laughs> uh, it, Wildstorm will be missed. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Chris, for coming on. We oh, thank you it. for the invite. It was nice to be uh, here, or you know, there. <laughs> it's just nice to be anywhere, really. No, it's, no. Thanks for the invite. I mean, I mean, I mean, we talk on the boards, but it's kind of nice to actually talk. Yeah. You know, instead you. of post and then wait. Then repost <laughs> and then wait. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And hopefully I'll see you at uh, San Diego this year. So. Well, you know, as soon as they put tickets on sale, I am there. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully they just don't wait till like, you know, a week before San Diego Con to sell <laughs> tickets because, you know, that's a little late then. Yeah. So, so hey, Ben, are you going to San Diego Con or no? Probably not. Um, yeah, it's from the East Coast. It's just too much. Oh, that's right. That's right. You're on the East Coast. It's yeah. Kinda, it, it's kind of it, hard to remember where everybody's at. Yeah. <laughs> Quit scratching. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's All right, guys. Thank you. Um, I hope that the fans enjoyed this send-off, but... Uh, you know, hopefully there'll be Wildstorm in the future that we'll all be able to read and remember. Well, I still think San Diego Con's one will hear it. 
Yeah. And I'm kind of hoping that we'll get some direct-to-DVD movies. That would be awesome. It would. Because yeah. the DC's direct-to-DVD stuff is not bad. At least the ones I've seen. No, they're usually pretty good. Yeah. So. And they seem to be pretty faithful to the source material. More or less. <laughs> yeah. Let's okay, see. gentlemen. Sing it off, Wildcats. Wildcats. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, know ah. I couldn't get the video to play, so you're going to have to put it in later. Drifterize. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The one good thing that comes out of the comic book. Let's drifterize them. What? All right, right gentlemen. Well, we'll see you, and we'll see all you Wildstorm fans when they return. Happy New Year. Have a great New Year, and see you in the funny books. Okay. Yeah.